the replacement is probably at least better better than that. I don't know if Feinstein if you if Feinstein had to call an Uber. I mean, that wouldn't even work. I doubt. <laughs> you know, how to call an Uber. You know, I think the, the bar has become so low. Just basic cognitive functions are are now to be uh, admired. And uh, if, they, if they can tell you what an Instagram is or a podcast, like that's all right. <laughs> all right, maybe we're back in the right direction. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Bituation Room live. It's a podcast. It's a live stream. It's your best friend. I'm Francesca Fiorentini. Uh, I'm very excited to have you here with us. I'm excited that you are here in the present, in the past, and in the future. Mostly in the future. I don't know about the past, um, but we have so much to get to. Um, comedian Gianmarco Sorezzi is here. He has been, this is his third time, and I think I pronounced his name modic, modic, moderately correctly. But I can't pronounce whatever I wanted to say that begins with mod. Anyway, uh, I'm distracted because uh, right now <laughs> uh, the House is taking a roll call vote on whether or not to oust Speaker Kevin McCarthy from that seat in the ultimate um, let them fight moment where Republicans are just going at one another in ju the just so... So it's so funny and stupid. Again, it's like it's like how I enjoy Trump not in office. Do you know what I mean? Um, like not running. Um, but I want to get into that in a little bit. Um, so we'll we'll uh, keep you posted. And if you're here in the future, then you probably know how this all goes down. And I'm sure we're still suffering the consequences, whatever happens. Um, if you are here live, hey, like that stream, share that stream, let people know that you are doing some amazing daytime viewing right now. Um, which is not the roll call house uh, vote, but it's the Bituation Room. And uh, make sure that also, if you want, why don't you become a member of this show on YouTube or Twitch? This is how you support the show, and it's also how you get bonus content. But the best way to support the show, of course, is to become a patron. That's right. That gets you access to our bonus bish, which you can listen to or watch at your leisure. It will be posted. It's always posted on the Patreon as a video and then put out as an audio um, show. Uh, we get into all the things we couldn't cover on Tuesday and all the things that happened between Tuesday and Friday. And on sort of, you know, some serious stuff, some sad stuff, a lot of like Latin American policy shit. Where's my copy of the American Prospect? And as a patron, you get uh, discounts on the paperback version of the American Prospect, the magazine that everyone should be subscribed to, that I contribute to every edition, every quarter. Um, so make sure to get that. There's also discounts on merch. There's a bunch of stuff, guys. There's things coming up that I can't speak of. There's also going to be holiday merch. Uh, I, yes, I'm going to make the Franny packs happen because I've been dragging my heels. Um, but I will absolutely get it done so everyone can buy one for the holidays and like Thanksgiving and whatnot and all the other things. Is it Halloween already? Everyone's excited for Halloween already. It's October people. Um, that being said, since it is October, I'm sure everyone's also celebrating the commencement of student loan repayment. That's right. Everybody now 
has to, it's game on for paying back the federal government for loaning a bunch of money to a 17-year-old. So we're going to get into all that with the Debt Collective's organizer, Braxton Brewington, who's also been on this show, but coming back at us on the other side of the SCOTUS ruling um, that struck down the Biden uh, debt forgiveness plan, but on the other side of also Biden trying to fight back with the SAVE plan. Did anyone in the chat, did anyone listening or watching uh, get any of their loans forgiven? I'm curious. Um, so we'll get into all that. And then finally, a final segment about um, dress code, y'all. You know, back in my day, you couldn't wear like short skirts um, to school. And also you couldn't wear jellies to private school that I was in for about a year before my mom yanked me out of it because everyone was like rich snobs and I was not getting along with anybody. But you had to wear your like uncomfortable black and white fucking patent leather shoes. And I was like, um, I'm wearing jellies. Thank you. Yes, I'm going to fall down and scrape my knee. But they're cute. I'd like bring them in my backpack, my like little kindergarten backpack and then take them out and change shoes. How fucking like. The things I do for fashion. No, we're talking about the dress code on the Senate floor. Uh, and the, you know, turns out our politicians can get something done. And that is making sure that uh, Senator Fetterman wears a suit. Why not? Um, but I want to know, what do you think the dress code should be in the Senate? What should they have to wear? We'll get into that at the very end of this show. Um, final announcement. If you didn't already hear it, um, October 17th, Punchline San Francisco, me and Matt Lieb co-headlining. It'll be a great night. So come out for Antifa, come out Dragon Squad. And uh, if you're not in SF or the Bay Area, that's okay. There will be other shows, I promise. Um, very exciting. But anyway, with all that, let's get into it. What is happening? Let's bitch about it. Here we go. Okay, so uh, I'm bitching about the amount of BS that's going down in our nation's capital, as Forrest Gump would say. Um, just like the amount of circle jerk minutia BS that is going down right now uh, between the government shutdown and now this motion to vacate the speakership. It is enough to, you know, just make you swear off politicians altogether, but specifically Republicans. Like, you've got to really hate your life and or women to vote Republican at this late date. Understanding that Republicans, all they want to do is grandstand to sell you like a, a podcast, which honestly, that's my job. That's comedian slash podcaster's job, not Congress people's jobs. So I am bitching about not everything, not just everything that went down with a shutdown, which as we know, was averted narrowly thanks to Democrats who stepped in to help Speaker Kevin McCarthy. That's actually a reason why Republicans are mad right now. We've got 45 more days to fund the government. So y'all visit your local library. Okay, let's go with the fat bear contest. Come on now, go to a national park in the next 45 days, because who knows if there will be any staff left um, in a month and a half. But not only it's not just Matt Gates, because Matt Gates is the representative that basically was, you know, okay, let's time out. It's not just Republicans that were like, we're going to defund the entire education department because books. Like, you know, that didn't pass. 
Um, nothing passed. They got a clean bill through. Um, but now Matt Gates is like, hmm, this isn't this isn't about me enough. And so he's called a vote of no confidence or a, a vacate vacation vote. It's basically you send McCarthy on vacation. No, no. It's a motion to vacate the speakership position, which if they successfully do, and then are unable to replace him with someone, anyone really, the entire house actually also shuts down. Because let's be real. These folks that are, they're deeply unserious people, as Logan Roy would say. They be got elected to just, to absolutely do nothing. All right? This is, we've elected termites to uh, wooden house people. That's right. That's my, that's my metaphor. I'm going with it. And we're like, what did we expect? What did we expect? Well, I don't know. I think they're going to really quell their appetite. You know, they've, they've lost the taste for wood. No! That's the whole point. They get inside and they destroy it from the inside. And the best part, the thing that I'm bitching about, which is so funny to me, two things. First of all, the people like Matt Gates, Andy Biggs, the ones who want Kevin McCarthy, they think he's a centrist. They think he's giving Joe Biden all of his, all his budget. And it's like, oh, my God, you guys have the power. And what are you doing? With you? He's trying to impeach Biden for you. He did that for you. And you're ungrateful. You're going to still try and remove him. How dare you? But anyway, the best part of it is you've got two types of Republicans. They're basically the same. But a bunch of the Republicans who don't like Kevin McCarthy are um, insurrectionists. They were the ones who were supporting, aiding, abetting, giving comfort to, and whatever the hell else it says in the Article 14 of the Constitution that... They were trying to overthrow the government in 2020. They're still there. Andy Biggs, he's still there. Matt Gates, Marjorie Green, these MFers are still there now being like, look, um, so I know we tried to shut everything down the like violent way or whatever. Now we want to do it the procedural way. Um, so suddenly they're still there. Secondly, they're going on and on about spending like, oh, the government, the trillions of dollars. Ah! <laughs> but they won't tell you what they want to cut. Because what they want to cut is Medicaid, Medicare for old people. Uh, they want to cut funding to the IRS, which is literally bringing in cash. But it's bringing in cash from who? From rich people. That's why. Right? They, like, like they, they're so bald-faced with this now. And so I think it's very fun to watch someone like Pramila Jayapal um, say this uh, when in regards to the the vote to remove Speaker McCarthy and whether or not Democrats are going to come to the rescue here. And in fact, Hakeem Jeffries, minority speaker in the House, gave the, you know, the bat signal that was basically like, nah, don't help these bitches. Don't help them. So here is uh, here's Pramila. Uh, on what she thinks the Democratic strategy should be in all of this Republican noise. Just let Republicans deal with their with their own problems. I mean, they can let them wallow in their pigsty of incompetence and inability to govern this. <laughs> let them wallow in their pigsty of incompetence. Mm. Um, I love that. 
And uh, look, and this is the thing is that Republicans don't actually want to be in leadership positions. They're not comfortable in it. They don't they like being in the opposition. They all have like beleaguered martyr, you know, uh, they want to be in the minority. They're jealous of minorities, you know. And so now if they can be a minority in the House then they could be like, oh, my God, you're you're not including us, you know, like we're oppressed. You know what I mean? Like they love being oppressed. They're obsessed with being oppressed. But when they're on top, when they're in control, they don't know what to do. They don't have any rule. They don't have any vision. And all the Republicans that are like, this is bad. You know, we shouldn't do this. They're just going up there and be like, you know, King David said in the Bible, I love Kim McCarthy. Like they, they're making as little sense as possible. It's very funny. It's like nobody knows the doing. Meanwhile, we got Karen up here, the, the woman taking the roll call. She's fucking hilarious. She got the most Karen haircut I've ever seen. I I thought I knew her name at some point, but if anyone knows it, um, you know, shout her out. I'll send her a free for Antifa t-shirt. But that's what I'm bitching about. These motherfuckers are so unserious. They're so ridiculous. Kevin, uh, Matt Gates is doing this because he's got an ethics investigation, not only into sexual assault, potential trafficking, uh, drug use, sharing inappropriate images or videos on the house floor, misusing state ID records, um, and uh, one more thing that I just wrote down is converting, which clearly there was more to that, but you, it sounds bad. He was basically trying to convert people um, to his, you know, Matt Gatesian religion, obviously. Um, but I'm bitching about how ridiculous Republicans are. They don't want to lead. They don't want to do shit. They don't want to legislate. And they're too chicken shit scared of their own voters to admit what they actually want to do, which is funnel more money to the wealthy. That's all they want to do. That's all they're in power for. Um, and or like like drop trow for Donald Trump, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. That is what I'm bitching about. We will have updates as they come. Uh, speaker McCarthy may no, long, may no longer be speaker um, in just a few minutes so uh we shall see but with that let me bring in my guest for the hour um he is a new york-based stand-up comedian actor and creator you may have seen him on the late late show with james corden or comedy central or heard his podcast the downside with john marco Sorezi. he's on tour all across the country right now so you got to see him live welcome john marco hello how are you hello i mean not good it doesn't sound it doesn't sound great you uh, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Sure, sure. It's just so funny to me. I mean, honestly, I do feel like, do you remember when the pandemic happened and it was like, you know, birds were like, and squirrels and yeah, know, yeah, and the sea life were coming back. Yeah yeah, 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 there's dolphins everywhere. I feel like that, but for the government, like other than the federal workers who I do believe deserve back pay and or current pay if, you know, it shuts down. Like, I'm like, well, what's wrong with stopping? Like, maybe democracy would flourish the way dolphins were in the Venice Canal. <laughs> sure. Listen, I, I think anarchy was the inevitable point of the show. So maybe we go back to that. We yeah. One with the dolphins. They have bigger brains. They'll probably be running a better government than we could. Truly. I, uh, well, I got something I'm bitching about. Please. Oh, my God. Oh, he's ready. Is it about wait, is it about wearing not being able to take your shirt off in uh, gym class? Don't think I didn't don't remember that. Gym in, class. In, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I'm still I'm still simmering about that. But yeah, in Soul Cycle. Enough. Yeah, in Soul Cycle gym class. That was back. In middle. I wanted to keep my t-shirt on, on back in the middle. We were doing shirts versus skins. Or shirts versus. I will not be playing soccer today, Coach Curry. That is awful. Uh, nightmare. Um, you know, for me, 
my I have a, a family member, mm. so one, of, one of those types. Uh, he's an independent, which means a Republican who still wants to have sex with my liberal mother. And uh, he he's not a, a Trump fan, but he's one of those guys. He's like, I could never bring myself to vote for Donald Trump or Joe Biden. And I'm right. like, listen, guys, you got to pick you got to pick one. I don't I, I cannot stand like to me. It's like our brains must be different because because there's I would respect it more if he said, I'm going to go for Trump. Then I'm not going to do either. Sure. I'm like, you're literally it's as if his vote is and, you know, he grew up he grew up very Catholic. So maybe it's this. It's like as if he believes deep down that his vote, it's like a sacred thing that's written in a book <laughs> and yeah. it's going to be held against him for the rest of the time. It's like it's just it's just an A or B. And they're clearly different. So if you if you don't if you have opinions, you would pick one. I do not respect the not picking thing. So many people. And it's not just like, I mean, I, I think a lot of people do that and they think they're special. I mean, trust me, on the left, there's a lot of folks who are like and it's, it's, it's a political, you know, there's the line of like, don't vote. It only encourages them, you know, like they're all corrupt kind of thing, which word, but also, you know, neo-fascism and shit. Yeah. But again, it's like if you if you really if you're like hoping like by not voting, you're going to take down the system or like change it all. That's not going to do it either. Again, you got to make a choice if you don't want to vote and <laughs> storm the Capitol. Sure. You made a choice, at least. I respect <laughs> choice. I'm not saying it's the right choice. Right? I might not respect that choice, but I respect a choice. And so if you're saying, you know what, this all needs to collapse. Well, you yeah. got to do a little more than just stay home. That's right. Kind of well, that's why. Is that his attitude in the marriage as well? I was like, yeah. Yeah, yes, very much. Very much. Very much. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, he says, I'm here. You know, I, I could never choose between these two things. Well, do I want to, like, you know, uh, renew my vows? No. No. But do I want to date? Ugh, no. I'll just, I'll just sit until I'm dead. And <laughs> I really, it really, I really, it drives me crazy. Again, I would, I would rather you say, I want this guy that the Trump or anyone just make up your mind. Yeah. There's no such thing as it. I, it drives me crazy. Well, That's I, think, I think the other thing is like, they think they're special. I think people think they're special and it's true. I always say, and there's gotta be a better analogy, but you know, I do feel like voting is like flossing, you know what I mean? Especially in national federal, like presidential elections. It's like, yeah. Do you like doing it? No. Do you, should you? Yeah. You just do it. It's a, it's, it's just a thing. And then the next day you forget about it. And it's like, no one's going to also personally hold you responsible if Joe Biden isn't perfect or like if you didn't, you know, like Cornell West's not going to come out of the woodwork and be like, did you vote for me? And you're like, I'm sorry. I, ah, my next book is about you. Like, that's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. Um, anyway, I like that. I like the sort of I do think it is a little easier to convince people who are active in terms of like actively Trump. It's easier to convince those folks who are engaged about why their thinking is wrong than people who are apathetic, which I think is actually sadly the majority of folks are. It's kind of like apathetic. Yeah, like, I don't know if he's apathetic in, in this particular case. I think it's just like he would rather have Biden. Here's my thing. Mm -hmm. I think he'd rather have Biden than Trump. But he's like, I could never bring myself. And I'm like, grow the fuck up. You're 70 years old. Bring yourself. <laughs> bring, bring yourself. yourself to do it. You have, it's just the toughest decision you made in your life. But I know that I know that if he wanted Trump more than Biden, it would be that way. 
Yeah. So it's just like this weird honor thing and this this weird like stop holding this thing as sacred. I think Hillary got a lot of that too. Uh, it was sure. like, well, I could oh. never bring myself to vote for Hillary, but I could. And just like, mm. but if you don't understand like how to wield your vote like uh, strategically and defensively, then what are you doing here? Like I said, doesn't mean you love Hillary. Doesn't mean you're gonna wear a pantsuit. Um, Anyway, that's a good thing to bitch about. I like that. I also like how you regularly joke about your mom and her like boyfriends and or like yeah, yeah, it's husband. Very <laughs> it's so good. It's very funny. Like I wish I had. I wish I could put my whole fam on blast. And I th I'm I'm honest about that. Like I, I like that. Oh, I think for sure. it, it's endearing to have your family trauma out in the open. <laughs> You're fine with it, my mom. I think. So uh, also my mom and stepdad are are divorced now. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. Uh, and he's but, but you're he's still tight. Remarried. But yeah, tight tight is a is a very special oh word. Oh my god, your family sounds like my family. You're just like stop. I like unless there are more gifts on the holiday like or my birthday, can we stop spawning more like permutations of families? Thank you. Yeah, it's not happening. my mom, she's on eHarmony and uh Oh yeah. She went on a date with a guy, and I said, "I this is true." She said, "I, I said, how'd the date go?" And she was like, "Let's just say we're physically compatible." <laughs> and I was like, "Let's just say fine next time, you know? <laughs> why don't we start with the name of the man breaking you in half, and then we can kind of extrapolate from there." I love, I love when also parents start treating you like a like because you're older, like that you're. I don't know if you ever have always had that relationship, but sadly, with divorce, you you have it sooner sooner than than you wish. <laughs> sooner than you'd wish my mom she, she tells me oh she's like oh my last boyfriend he couldn't get it up and i saw him i was like his whole body he's quite old at this point <laughs> and so i it's 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 always been that way that's the th that's the thing with divorce i think you yeah. know about your parents uh sex life in some capacity no. early in age well unless they divorce real young like mine which is like yes perfect i don't even remember all the messy shit sure let's let's go stepdad how old um, were you when your parents got divorced well, my dad left before I was born because he's classy, okay. but so it wasn't your um, fault, you know. That's so nice. it's definitely not. I mean, it could have been. Yeah, um, sure, and theoretically, there's a lot of deep family trauma in this show. I've got to take a sip of water. <laughs> no, but um, you know, it's all water on the bridge. <laughs> I'm in therapy. No, um, let's do this, guys. Let's talk before we find out what, how this vote goes down. Let's talk about Mr. Donald Trump. Um. Uh, the man to whom all of these uh, little bitches are beholden. Um, let's get into the week where. So this is the first week of the Trump trial in New York related to his financial crimes uh, from the Trump organization, overflating assets, using that those overinflated numbers to basically get more um, loans, deals, whatnot. Um, the suit Obviously, this is the Letitia James, Attorney General Letitia James suit, um, you know, which has brought on incredible onslaughts of, you know, racist tirades, coded like New York is infested, blah, 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 blah. It's terrible. Everything's bad. Businesses are leaving New York. Yeah, yeah, word. It, businesses are leaving the financial epicenter of the country. Of course they are. Um and uh, this is, it's fun. It's a fun trial because number one, televised, like we can see it. And number two, arguably the, like Trump is the most pissed about this because he cares far more about money than he does about destroying democracy. Cause like no one ever got laid by understanding Robert's rules, you know? Um, <laughs> so 
apparently, again, uh, this is the, the best part about this trial is that um, it's not going to be a jury trial, even though they had the option. Um, his lawyers forgot to ask for the jury trial. So it's kind of like, ooh, do-over, you know. But no, there's no do-over. It'll be decided by this judge, Arthur Engeron. Um, I'll tell you, show you a little bit more about him. Um, but Arthur Art, I like to call him, uh, he's already said that basically he's already like reduced the the um, like the value, the price value of Trump properties, you know, by millions and millions of dollars. Um, he said that Trump will have to pay a significant penalty. The the trial is basically about how much and if Trump and his sons will be and daughter, I guess, will be barred from running business in New York ever again. So uh, Letitia James has asked for $250 million be paid, which honestly I think is getting off pretty damn easy. But um, this was Trump today coming out, um, speaking about whether he'll testify. And then if you can follow this, John Marco, admitting the guilt, which he does all the time, but then also saying, but there's no problem because I'm like, it wasn't actually my fault. Yes, I will. At the appropriate time, I will be. Uh, I think it's going very well. Everybody was given financial statements. The financial statements are extremely strong. The assets are much more valuable as opposed to less valuable than are in the statements. Uh, the institutions that all were paid off, they were paid up, they were done, they made money, they had no fraud, there was absolutely no fraud. They all made money, they were all happy, 100% happy. And I think very importantly is everything, many, many warnings, page one, page two, and many pages, it says, please, you must understand that you have to do your own due diligence and you have to Above all, do your own research and analysis. Do not rely on anything. Do not rely on the financial statements. Also, the financial statements are very strong in terms of cash, liquidity, and everything else. This case is a scam. There can't be fraud when you've told institutions to do their own work. Okay, <laughs> did you catch that? So he's like... The financial statements basically were strong. There was plenty of cash, plenty of liquidity, but also the different institutions with which we engage in different entities should have done their own due diligence. It's not my fault if you just assumed what I was reporting on these disclosures was accurate. It's not my fault that you didn't look into how much I was actually worth. It's your fault for not doing the due diligence. It is so mind-blowing that he's basically like, yeah, but it's not it's not on me. Yeah, you know, it's it can't be easy. This is kind of like if if for for decades, you know, I went around and said, "Hey guys, I have a I have an 8-inch dick." <laughs> and then one day all of a sudden I'm in court and they go, "All right, we got to we got to we got to, you know, take some measurements here." And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> other people should have been, you know, checking this out." I mean, it's it's he's been lying about this for a long time. Right. And he's he's about to be publicly shown that it's a lot smaller than it is. He and, will uh, obviously show us. I mean, that's the other thing he's been trying to defend is the size of his dick. He's like, sure, sure, he has. I, I, I think you you got to give it up. He he truly is the greatest filibusterer of all time. He, at one point, he says, "You got to look at the pages. Page one, page <laughs> two, many pages." His ability 
to like two? normal normal people i'd go uh uh and um and you go like ooh there's a little weakness in there mm. he's able to just like just say a new thing and it, many it's, pages and so he comes off as like uh, for for like a dumber person to like wow he has all the facts here he has fact 1 fact 2 many facts <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is hugely consequential because like Trump University, which was like shut down effectively over scandal and scam and defraud fraud, the Trump organization won't be able to function anymore. Right. So the what is and, and certainly not New York. Now, look, I think he could potentially well, he's got to get the right money manager. I'm sure he could find somebody, move some assets, whatever exists around. You still can do business in Florida. Ron DeSantis will let you because he's not going to be president, nor are you, um, if your goddamn stepdad votes. But, like, you know, <laughs> this is this is the one that hits closest to home and is pretty consequential. I do want to show, because I believe this was Fox News in the actual courtroom. Donald Trump is sitting there. Letitia James is behind him. And then they pan over. It's very... <laughs> Who is that? Whoever was doing camera work, amazing job here. Um, very like sort of like running gun, um, like mockumentary style. Uh, and they pan over to Judge Engeron, who's hilarious, mugs the camera, smiles, takes off his glasses. This is Michael Rappaport watching it on Fox. It's much better than watching the actual Fox coverage because Michael Rappaport's hilarious. Take a look. Yeah, <laughs> because he sees he's being filmed he smiles and then is like wait a minute let me take off my glasses because i look better and then gives like the most like science teacher on picture day adorable little like smile the dude it's he's like a, living his best life it's like an 80s sitcom where it's just like you know it's like and then and judge dada <laughs> it's uh <laughs> And he's, he's about cute. to like, he's about to get yeah, like, like, like flick a fist at the camera. Like, oh, stop, you know, fan away me. Yeah. And he like really doesn't seem to to hold the gravity of, of this, <laughs> this lawsuit. And it really, it's like, like small claims court, someone's who to lemonade stand. And he's like, another day as judge. It is like, I'm watching jury duty now. I don't know why it's taken me so long, but I met the guy, I met the guy two, a couple days ago. What a, what a beautiful soul. Yeah. Yeah, he came to my sketch show. Very, very interesting. No way. He's, he's with all these. He's in LA now, and you know, suddenly he's he's. Oh yeah, he's verified on Instagram. Everyone's he's sliding verified. into his DMs. The dude is tall. Come on now. But he still has like he still has the night. He hasn't been corrupted yet by sure. like the system. <laughs> I so think he's, he's like, uncorruptible. Weirdly, uh, we'll see. Hollywood has Hollywood <laughs> has corrupted uh, nicer people before, but he was very sweet. And uh, that's very, amazing. This is Ronald, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, this oh, don't tell me how it ends. I I already think he knows, but anyway, um this is just like a this felt like a scene from Jury, but like anyway, if you're listening, the clip just starts off with Trump in his just the most angry, serious fucking stewing. Pan over to judge, just beaming. Dude is beaming. And again, it will be his decision ultimately because dumbass Trump lawyers were did not ask for the jury trial, which I think would have absolutely been kinder to him even if it was in new york sure 
um, look at all the Staten Islanders right now. So um, Paige says, let's move because she's being a little bit testy behind the scenes. Oh, I got um, a new situation. Uh, I know. Hey, all the bitches working on the show. So let's go. Let's talk about um, Diane Feinstein, who uh, finally died. Die, Fi, finally die. Um, she wasn't in the Fi die when she did, but she will be <laughs> transported there. I wasn't calling Paige a bitch. I was saying I have a new, I'm a bitch about Paige. Just to be clear. I feel. Oh, I, I feel... was calling her a bitch, but that's okay. Okay, as long as it was you. Paige, you're great. Paige, you're wonderful. I would um, never call you a bitch. Wait, hang on. Reset. This was the week. This was the week where Senator Dianne Feinstein uh, passed at the ripe age of 91, mm -hmm. uh, 92, just hitting her stride, arguably. Um, she, uh, yeah, she finally croaked and um, Gavin Newsom appointed somebody to her seat. We'll talk about that uh, in a second. But, you know, look, I was going to bitch about this because I think it's really, it's really annoying that someone who actually did good things earlier in her career, assault weapons ban being one of them groundbreaking in terms of, um, you know, one of the first women elected to the Senate, first women to be on like the Judiciary Committee or chair it. She became mayor, remember, when Harvey Milk was assassinated. I mean, she, this is a woman who truly shone in her prime. And then she slowly descended into corporate shillery, like middle of the road bullshit. And it's very annoying and sad that her legacy has been tainted by the everything that she didn't do and in the end, in my opinion. Well, I think she'll have a chance to uh, clean clean up her legacy when the Democrats run her as their nominee in 2028. <laughs> and hopefully Out of respect for Diane, we are running Diane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I um, can see it. Well, we're going to run her handler, which is actually Nancy Pelosi's daughter, uh -huh. who speaks to Diane via a, 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 a what is it? A communicate? What are they? A telepath? <laughs> what are those called? A, a, a telepathy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe the word is right here, but it's hi. A Ouija board. A yes, Ouija board. A Ouija board. I see. Yes. Um, it's going to be talking to... Um, Diane has just been like, fuck the Green New Deal. Um, so you look at the end there. She when Trump was elected, uh, she said that he could be a great president. OK, uh, she called the Amy Coney Barrett hearing one of the best hearings she's ever been to. All right. And then she did this, which I think everyone needs to remember. And let's be real. This is only a few years ago. And it most definitely shows um, just how much she was losing it. Uh, towards the end. I'm going to just blame that uh, because otherwise is she really this big of a see you next Tuesday? Sorry, let's preface this by re by reminding everybody this was when kids, children uh, went to her office in San Francisco with text of the Green New Deal that they wrote in their adorable little kid handwriting and begged the senator to act on the Green New Deal because, as they'll explain, they we don't have enough time and that their futures are on the line here. And this is what she said back to them. Some scientists have said that we have 12 years to turn this around. Well, it's not going to get turned around in 10 years. I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You come in here and you say it has to be my way or the highway. I don't respond to that. I know what I'm doing. So, you know, maybe people should listen a little bit. 
I hear what you're saying, but we're the people who voted you. You're supposed to listen to us. That's your job. How old are you? I'm 16. I can't vote. Well, you didn't vote for me. It doesn't matter. We're the ones who are going to be impacted. It doesn't matter. We're going to be the ones who are impacted. I understand that. I have seven grandchildren. I understand it very well. Senator, the cost of not taking this action is far higher than the cost of what the Green New Deal will be. And there Here's is enormous what, popularity for this bill around okay. the whole country. Here's and we're asking you to be brave and do this for us and for your grandchildren. Get enough for okay. I'm trying to do the best I can, which was to write a responsible resolution. Any plan that, that doesn't take bold, transformative okay. action is not going to be what we need. Well, you know better than I do. So I think one day you should run for the Senate. There we go. And I hope that woman does run for the Senate. So there she was. You didn't vote for me because you're only 16, <laughs> you little shits. And as I tweeted, I mean, she really did have the last laugh, which was dying before they got a chance to even vote <laughs> or could be old enough to vote. Look, I, I had to cut out a part of that video because it actually makes me cry when that little girl with the who can't like you know, do her R's well is like, it's a government for the people and by the people. And, and it's just like, how do you get to be so decrepit and like corrupt? Because I've seen um, donors roll like Sheldon Adelson. Remember that dude, that big billionaire from Vegas? I've seen yeah. RIP. Uh, I've seen him wheel out on a rascal from her office. That dude would donate mad money. That's what she responded to throughout her, the, the end of her career. And it's so sad. And honestly, I do not pour one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good riddance. I mean, those, those kids should have brought some more cash if they want things to get done. I think that's <laughs> the biggest problem is she wasn't upfront. She, she should have said, I know you didn't vote for me. If you didn't vote for me, then you know, gotta pay up. You gotta <laughs> how you know, much money do you have? right now? Take it out, give it to me. Uh, that that's that's the problem. Her not telling them the truth about the way the world works. Yeah, exactly. It's all she should have just done this, just like mm -hmm. you know, like rubbed her fingers together. Money, money, monopoly money, and she'd be like, This doesn't fucking work in my world, guys. <laughs> Oh, you gave twelve dollars? Yeah, I, I, my house, my fifth house cost twelve million. Come back when you got that, okay? Um, I just a quick update before we move on. Uh, actually, no, let's let's keep on this, but just for editing purposes. Um, uh, so she has been re like obviously uh, momentarily. There has been an interim senator appointed. Um, and it's important to know uh who she is. Um, this is. LaFonza Butler is her name, and she's the president of Emily's List, an organization that works to help get elect, uh, elect Democratic women who support abortion rights. Mm, caveat. She was, for many years, the head of the SCIU Local 2015, a union representing California long-term caregivers before becoming a partner in what was then known as the SCRB Strategies, Newsom's political consulting firm, and later worked in public policy for Airbnb. Okay, that's all fine and good. She's also the uh, lesbian. She's black. She's the first black lesbian to be in the Senate, of course, interim. Um, I have problems with Emily's list generally. They're much more centrist. They do not necessarily support um, progressive women and women who are very, like, vehemently talking about abortion rights. They're, they're, they're centrist effectively. That's not, that's not what's like really eyebrow raising about uh, Butler. It's that at Uber, she basically represented them 
as they tried to broker a deal that would avoid classifying their drivers as employees. Several unions have already uh, uh, endorsed other candidates in the Senate race, obviously not her. This is jo Josh Idelson writing, LaFonza Butler, the former president of one of SEIU's largest locals and current advisor to Kamala Harris, that's another person who she works with, has been advising and representing Uber in its dealings with organized labor. This is twenty nine back in 2019, as the company seeks to deal to avert drivers being classified as employees. So she basically used her leverage as former i mean this is honestly like not hashtag not all unions and hashtag not all union leadership but <laughs> she used her experience as a union leader to effectively get a corporate job and be like oh here's how you undermine unions i know i worked in one uh let me help uber not classify any of your employees uh your, your drivers as employees and we you know tight so She's not going to last. This is this is only a year. Um, uh, obviously, Barbara Lee, Katie Porter and Adam Schiff with all the money. Speaking of uh, people who are, are accepting lots of money, uh, uh, they're all running to be uh, senator, of course, from California. So TBD, um, I was I think she should only be allowed to travel by Uber mm. while she's there. And the, every Uber driver should should know who they're driving and they talk to her. The whole ride. <laughs> she's got to sit in the, the front. Moment she gets, she's got to sit in the front. Yes. <laughs> and they talk to her the whole ride. So what do you and do? What is interim or what you like? What does that mean? Do you have like the same power? Oh, but your vote like doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> she's like, motherfucker. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, I was going to bitch about Gavin Newsom because I'm sure, John Marco, you heard that. I mean, Gavin Newsom's basically... You know, he's a typical centrist. He is far and away, I think, a better candidate than, honestly, obviously Joe Biden in terms of a national level. But for California, he very poorly represents a, a state that went to Bernie. Um, yeah. The dude the dude just spent this last week vetoing a bunch of, like, progressive stuff. I'll talk about it next week. But one of those things was also uh, vetoing a strike fund for any striking workers, mm -hmm. like writers and actors. Oh, yeah. um, so, you know, what do you expect? he's an she's an advisor to to his firm she's an advisor to Kamala Harris she gets the job for now um but anywho that is uh, any any final parting thoughts on Senator Feinstein well I mean that's what I was gonna say I, the replacement is probably at least better better than I don't know if Feinstein if you if Feinstein had to call an uber I mean that wouldn't even work I doubt <laughs> you know how to constant. call an uber you know, I think the, the bar has become so low, just basic cognitive functions are, are now to be uh, admired. And uh, if, they, if they can tell you what an Instagram is or a podcast, like that's all right. Like, all right maybe we're back in the right direction. Yeah, If they are not like actually sputtering, if they're not like beach ball of deathing in the middle of their press conferences like Mitch McConnell. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Um, Paige came through with that word, a medium. A medium. Such a, medium. a good word. Such a good word. Yes. Uh, anyway, we hope that uh, she can, from beyond the grave, uh, direct this country into nothingness. Um, but with that, I wanted to just mention that Kevin McCarthy's been removed as Speaker of the House. This is fun. Oh, God. This is so fucking stupid. Wait, this just happened? This just happened. Just Whoa. broke. They were... They were voting on it, and he has been stripped of the gavel. 
And oh, now they're man. all taking turns on seeing how far they can shove it up their ass. Um, so funny. Wow. <sighs> that, is funny. that is funny. We will see. I watch he gets reinstated like in a second. But it's amazing, guys. We we avert a shutdown and then this happens. But at least look, at least the cafeteria workers on the hill get paid. They still get paid. So. I'm sure McCarthy's glad he can go home and put on some shorts and a sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. Think of that tie. Uh, no, no, no. He sadly he still has to be in office. I'm sure he wants to, you know, I don't know, leave. Leave. Yeah. He's so fucking. He's such a weak noodle, and I'm so glad the Democrats decided not to help him or bail him out. Good for fucking them. Uh, I never celebrate Hakeem Jeffries, but I will today. Uh, and with that, guys, let, uh, and guys, I mean, John Marco, let's bring in um, for the interview to talk about student debt relief. Um, the press secretary for the Debt Collective, the nation's first debtors union, organizing to build power with debt as leverage. Braxton Brewington, what's going on? How are you? Hello, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming back. Um, you know, I think when we spoke last, Biden was in the process of floating sort of like a not full relief relief plan. Um, and that got struck down by the Supreme Court in July when they had sort of their they're back in session, but the sort of like, you know, session of terror and uh, student loan uh, debt relief was one of the things that they were like, no, that's illegal because one person um, and or private entity, you know, stands to lose money. Um, even though these are federal loans that we're talking about, but, but then Biden fought back and has this new save plan. Um, and it's called saving on a valuable education. Stop me if any of this is not correct, but I believe borrower payments are capped at 5% of discretionary income instead of 10%. Um, if you're a single borrower making $15 an hour, you owe nothing. Couples making less than 60K a year owe nothing, which is good. Um, after 20 to 25 years um, on, on the save plan, uh, all remaining debt is basically forgiven if it hasn't been fully repaid. And also interest won't accrue um, and like unpaid interest won't accrue. Now, I'm not sure if that's unpaid interest from before or interest starting in now in general. What, is, what am I missing from this new attempt here? Yeah, so that's somewhat true, um, and there's some, <laughs> there's some caveats. Um, look, the, the Supreme Court struck down student debt relief, and the Biden administration announced a round two um, at trying to deliver relief, which is actually sort of two-pronged. So one is the SAVE plan, which is basically a new version of an income-driven repayment Income-driven repayment plans, or you know, IDR for short, are always broken. They usually never work. Um, mm -hmm. And so this is another reiteration of that. It will work. Why? Why that? So the whole premise is to basically get um, as much money as you can from people in a way that's sort of deemed accessible uh, or acceptable. Um, what happens is. You have to apply to get in the program to begin with, right? And so that creates a barrier for people who don't even know to apply. And then the servicers just suck. And so they mm. give people the wrong information. They um, are enrolling people in the wrong plans. And then the premise of income-driven repayment sometimes can be really broken. So for example, you know, the SAVE plan is basically, you know, 
says you have to make this payment based off of your discretionary income. Well, the formula that is designed for that discretionary income, for example, doesn't take in, into account childcare, right? And so there's all those different types of things. That that's, that's pretty huge. I was like, I thought this was like like movie money, you know what I mean? Or like weed money, you know? Yeah, that's that's sort of how they think it. Um, uh, you Childcare know, seems kind of fundamental. It, it would, I would think it's important. Um, you know, another thing is those payments uh, cuts in half from 10% of your discretionary income to 5%. That doesn't actually take effect until July of 2024. So that's important for people to know. Um, a lot of people are expecting, oh, my payment will be cut in half. Yeah, next summer. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The other thing is a lot of these things don't apply to your graduate loans. So a lot of this is built for undergrad loans. So if you went to grad school to be a teacher, social worker, nurse, um, uh, anything you went to grad school for, a lot of those loans don't apply. So it's going to be- Which great. is wild because of how important it is to relieve those folks specifically. Um, so, so right. Yeah, that's that. I don't know why that makes no sense. But anyway, keep going. Yeah. No, there's a lot of things in here that don't make sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> um, so, you know, the plan will be great for some people, right? If you're making minimum wage, if you are a family under that 60K income threshold, uh, et cetera, if your interest is paused, that's really good for you. The people who yeah. that doesn't apply for, it's not great for them. Um, and the second part of this prong that Biden announced is another attempt at relief. It's just on a very, very slow pace. So rather than issue an executive order, the Biden administration has announced a rule. A rule has to go through a rulemaking process, which takes like a year. So basically there's a committee of like a dozen people who get together and hash it out over what they think the rule should be and then hopefully it gets implemented whenever they may or may not come to a consensus sometime next year, maybe in the late spring, maybe even the summer. So there's a chance that that amount could be, uh, you know, 10K or 20K, could be lower, could be higher. We're sort of starting from- No, no means testing just across the board, just like a, a chunk for everybody? Who knows? It's what the- um, So- you know, we know that there are great people on this committee. Uh, I know, you know, someone from the NAACP is on there. I know um, someone who used to organize people who were defrauded by for-profit colleges is, is on this committee. Um, but it's also the Department of Education, right? And, and in a lot of ways, they sort of have the last call. So there's a chance that relief comes. It's just not going to come at a fast timeline for sure. So we've got this save plan which might help some people and then lastly we also have this on-ramp so i know a lot of folks who are going to basically do this which is the federal government says if you miss a student debt payment your okay. interest is going to accrue but from starting now until october of next year if you miss a payment you will not have a ding on your credit you won't fall into default you won't become delinquent sure uh, interest your interest will accrue. You 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 know we won't be eligible for public service loan forgiveness. But if you want to take twelve months to just sort of sit, you could do that. So people are in like sort of dire situations, uh, as a lot of people are, and I'm like I just to can't. hit pause. Yeah. 
so John Marco, you got all that? That's obviously you yeah. memorized well, all My question is, because I went to college for musical theater, and is there any program <laughs> to help finally get me on Broadway? It's been about 15 years since I graduated. And, you know. So I'm actually going, after, as soon as this is over, I'm going to text a reporter and say, you should ask the Department of Education to come up with a plan for people who went to school for musical theater. Maybe it'll go somewhere. Listen, there's there's, yes. there's more and more of us coming. Get ready. We're gonna be all we're gonna be a big share of, of uh, the voting block. Well, someone needs I mean, to make musicals about student loans. But you understand why? I mean, SCOTUS is basically like musical theater gave us Lin Manuel Miranda, who is woke and like made American history woke. Ergo, I mean, abolish. You know, sure, um, but Mike Pence still saw Hamilton, so you know we we still right. entertaining everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he totally liked it too but okay look i i do want to say like i under first of all it sounds incredibly confusing i think that your first point is a really important point that this is that the institutions don't know how to implement it different um like debt collectors and uh financial i guess they would yeah the debt collectors and the companies don't know how this is all being implemented, how it's working. Borrowers don't know how it's working and how to apply and if they qualify. So that is really confusing. Um, but I also know people who just have outright had everything forgiven, you know, and this is anecdotal, but there have been a lot of people who are just like, yeah, it was it because it was like over 10 years or over 20 to 25 years, like it was just gone, which I think is huge. Um, I wish it was more. I did just want to mention, and, and Braxton, it's important we're talking about this because October is when repayments are restarting finally for the first time out of, I'm not finally, but again, after yeah. the pandemic. Um, and, you know, you're working with a debt collective, like, what is your basic pitch in terms of, like, what this does to people? Like, what this does to the economy, to, um, you know, communities, to families, to Americans just generally when they have to pay, when, it, you know, it's we're back on. Yeah, so the Department of Education is doing literally something that's kind of never been done before. A three-year pause on 45 million people's accounts, which each person has who knows how many amounts of previous payments and right. you know, switches from one servicer to another. And they're restarting that. I mean, that's never been, that portfolio has never been done in the private or the public sector. Just, we're just going to start back up. 43, they're just starting, right. Yeah. And so there's, it's just, it is a catastrophe right now. We've heard from so many borrowers who have said, I applied for the save plan. It said I was going to pay $60 a month and I just got a bill for $1,000. A lot of this mm -hmm. is because servicers are just broken. They lie, they miss paperwork. They mishandle paperwork. Um, uh, it, it's just an incredibly broken student loan system. And How many different services are there in managing federal student debt? Oh, man, at least half a dozen. Um, you know, oh, the shit. services yeah. are basically these middlemen. You know, basically the federal government doesn't actually collect our student loans. They pay these private companies which have profit incentives to collect on the student loans and they do right. a really bad job. And some of them are, have been sued. Some of them have quit. Um, it's clearly not a fun job. Um, yeah. People can't get a hold of these services. People have been on hold for like 16 hours. They call the next day. Jesus they call the week. Just absurd. 
Um, the reality is people are going to have to make really dire consequences. Do I pay my rent or do I pay my student loans? Do I pay childcare? Do I cut back on groceries? Can I afford my medication? Do I save for retirement? You know, one really common thing we've heard is people who say, now that payments are resuming and I'm not getting my student debt relief, I'm not going to be able to get the dental care that I've been trying to get for the past few years. So, you know, there's a lot of harmful consequences, not to mention just like the, the stripping of your dignity of just having no money left in the bank at the end of the month and redoing that over and over again. Uh, and so we're Yeah, I mean, it's also... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean... I just was just going to say, like, it's also just the infusion into the economy, in my opinion, when you don't have this, you know, weight hanging over people's necks, around people's necks, is like, it's massive. They're not, folks aren't just sitting on their money. They are investing, they are spending, they are, you know, able to whatever, work towards a down payment as if, you know, <laughs> but like uh, uh, bringing back, uh, bringing back some clueless lines here. But, you know, like they, it doesn't, it's not like it just like goes away. It's actually a massive infusion and it, and it does, um, and honestly kind of lift all boats <laughs> because there's a 43 million boats to lift. Um, and so, but Debt Collective is, is, has rolled out a new um, tool actually online to help people. It's called the Student Debt Release Tool. It's a, both an advocacy tool and like, like tell me about it. What, 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 do you, what does it do? Yeah, so imagine you have student loans, which I'm sure someone can imagine. Um, and, you want <laughs> this, and you want them canceled. Uh, there's no one you can email or call to just ask for it to be canceled. Maybe you find yourself in a particular situation, you've heard from people who are like, a parent took out loans in my name, they had a gambling problem, right? right? I'm, right. 90, I'm 90 years old, I can't pay these. Um, there's no way to ask for student debt relief. You just have to sort of enroll in a program, talk to your servicer, see if something works out, which is why we've had this crisis. So the Debt Collective has created a student debt release tool, which basically, allows for a borrower to put in some information about their loans, uh, answer some questions, and it spits out this sort of legal memo on your behalf that gets directly mm. submitted to the Department of Education, invoking the Higher Education Act, which is a legal authority that the Biden administration can use to cancel student debt, and you request relief. And uh, we announced that about a month ago. So far, over 20,000 people have, you know, filled out an application directly to the Department of Education. 25,000 um, people? Yeah. Um, That's great. It's wonderful. Um, so, you know, if you go to studentdebtreleasetool.org, you can see uh, the application for yourself and fill it out. It's free. It takes maybe 10 minutes. So the sort of history here is, is, is important. Like, basically what happened is in 2015, a bunch of people were like defrauded by these predatory, for-profit, ridiculous colleges. And there right. was authority on the books that said, if you were scammed, you're eligible to get relief. Well, there was no way to get that relief. Like an application didn't exist. There was no one you could call. And so the Debt Collective created a form that basically said, if you were scammed, you know, fill this out, include your evidence. And we sent these to the Department of Education the long story short is the Department of Education copied that form, put it on the website, and now anyone can apply 
It's called borrower defense. And they've canceled billions of dollars with that form. Yeah, you guys made that happen. I mean, that's incredible. Like, because it's, it's like, uh, it's like a victory by a thousand cuts or not cuts, a thousand band-aids, <laughs> which is not, I know what ultimately Debt Collective is arguing for, but it's like, that was so pivotal. Like if you were defrauded by one of these for-profit institute colleges, you know, you could have your debt canceled. And that was sort of folks putting at the front of the line um, and not really means tested if I'm, if I'm um, understanding correctly, that's huge. So you guys are now just expanding that. Exactly. We're taking that very successful history, which tens of billions of dollars have been canceled from that and saying, okay, well, we're just going to do this for everyone with a new legal authority that we know is legit. The Biden administration has used, is using on their own to say, well, anyone should apply for relief. And there's a chance it works. I mean, the worst they can say is no, uh, but the mm -hmm. sort of, you know, history is it, it, it our app, our creation of that form expanded the possibility for the federal government. And we think this, you know, student debt relief tool is going to do the same. I mean, it, we laugh because it's like they should really be the ones doing this. But also the IRS hasn't been fully funded for like decades. So you know, it's not that crazy. Um, and, and we should also mention and we should every time we talk about student debt is that you can't file for bankruptcy like any other fucking person um, who has a business and for the right in this country that's so obsessed with business, the, you know, the rights of uh, corporations and businesses as people. If you are yourself a business who went to college and, or got a degree, you should be able to fucking declare bankruptcy because of your student loans. Anyway, um, well, that's still... We just canceled like $800 billion worth of PPP loans. So I know people, mm -hmm. I know they get what debt relief is like. I know they get it. Mm, but those people were rich. And stormed the Capitol. That was my favorite piece. Probably my favorite news story of the last, like, like since Jan 6 or since the pandemic was realizing how many militias got PPP loans. <laughs> like, <laughs> just brilliant. Like, well, we're not able to buy all of the hoods uh, that we want. Um, you know, our firing ranges, the little, uh, yeah, they're, they've been inoperable for a while. Um, John Marco, any questions? I think we've, we're not fixed it, but we're, we're closer to it. Um, yeah, I, that's my worry is about making a musical about this. It really doesn't have an ending. It's kind of like <laughs> a 10 act piece. And it, it, it's, 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 it's a bummer. There's a lot of low points in the musical. A lot of parts where I don't know if anyone should be singing at all. Well, just that, like, oh. That makes a really good uh, opportunity for some minor notes, maybe. That would be fun. Sure, sure. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to clarify. Has Biden uh, utilized the education, the Higher Education Act yet? Or did he initially try to do that and that's what SCOTUS uh, struck down? No, the first time he tried the HEROES Act, which is, you know, came in the wake of 9-11. It's an emergency authority. The right. second at relief is with the Higher Education Act, which is the same authority that our tool uses is the same one that the Biden administration uses. Got it. Right. Yeah. And so, and obviously what they could do is just completely eliminate the debt altogether. They can do that again um, with a new authority. And we've been saying just cancel the debt and actually zero people's accounts out. Um, mm -hmm. There's a good reason to believe, you know, 
that if they were to just cancel the debt and people's accounts were to change, that even if there was a court challenge, that the Supreme Court or some other court can't actually order the debt to be reinstated. So it would sort of be like a too little, too late kind of situation. Um, right, right, right. The name of the game here is is was really speed, like do it fast um, and do it now, and to sort of invoke an unfortunate scenario, just so like people can get it. Like when Donald Trump used an executive authority, used executive order to, um, you know, stop uh, Muslim countries from coming into the United States, which is incredibly unconstitutional and wrong. He didn't like announce it and say this is going to go into effect in 50 days. He just did it, right? Like people were getting to the airport and not being a- allowed to get off the plane. Uh, so that type of like speed, I think some people are like, oh, he can't just like do it that fast. It's like, yes, you can issue an executive order very quickly, order people to cancel the debt, uh, do do a court battle later. You know. But then how would you pretend like you fought rather than giving the Supreme Court and, and the entire right wing apparatus lots of time to develop their cases and throw up some random dude who's like, well, I paid my student debt lawsuit, you know, like it's yeah. I mean, I'm not saying they do it on purpose, but it is just sort of I mean, it's the same thing with the, you know, lowering prescription drugs for Medicare. Right. It's like they're not doing it until 2024. And it's like all the fucking big pharma companies are suing the Biden administration let's hope it goes through, but I would not be surprised if they walk that back as well. Um, anyway. No, uh, it, uh, it, seems like, it seems like the Biden administration is doing their own like 10 act musical, honestly. For <laughs> sure. That is what, that is exactly what this is. Um, and, and Lynn is right there beside them. No, uh, Braxton Brewington. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, student debt release tool.org. Thank you. I just squinted um, intensely so that Braxton could affirm that. Um, thank you so much for being here and 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 explaining all this to us. And everybody, like, go to Debt Collective and you can read uh, and learn a lot more. But um, take good care, Braxton. Go make that phone call to the journalist um, about, uh, you know, making sure there's a music. I mean, this is the thing, John. Uh, what's funny, John Marco, is that I believe it was Lauren Boebert who said something like, uh oh you want your debt canceled because you went to study like lesbian dance theater or like some shit like this meanwhile she's jerking somebody off in a in a rendition of beetlejuice so i feel like (laughs) she you know she's a total hypocrite on that like she actually celebrates musical theater much more um than she lets on listen everyone loves musical theater they're being honest with themselves Oh Everyone, yeah, you gotta go. Even though Hamilton was like, like I know it's not cool to like it, and I, I think, I think Hamilton actually kind of sucked. Um, really, I do really? really like the musical. I mean, apparently he wasn't, he wasn't a good person. He was like a central. Well, who, who was good back then? I sure nobody I'm was sure. good. And they, you know, they they didn't talk about. They really didn't talk much about slavery, which would, well, yeah. you know, being like like making a musical about Hitler's painting career. Like it is a little bit strange to neglect a gigantic element like that. Sure, it wasn't. I mean, to be fair, there is a one line, and the whole cast member is mostly people of color. But I that guess doesn't, that doesn't acknowledge it, though. It's I basically mean- reparations. Um, 
<laughs> no, no, no. But but it, like Hamilton was actually like a massive piece of shit, which makes sense because he like died in a duel, as did his son. Like anyone who's going to be that much of an idiot hothead, like okay, a genius, I guess. Um, you know, he wrote like what, like nine of the ten commandments. I forgot which uh, the Federalist Papers. I remember what it was now. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. You know that other foundational text but you know it's like central bank bullshit it was basically like the neo-libs versus the fascists back then it was like the slave-owning fascists of the south and like the neo-libs which are you know hamilton no one's the hero i digress no no i i think it's a big i i don't know if art like that should be made about historical figures i think i think it's so weird how these are like some people view the founding fathers as like marvel superheroes of sorts and yeah. they glamorize them. People, I, when you get an argument with some some conservatives, they go, "What would the founding fathers think?" And I'm always like, "Buddy, I don't care what my regular father thinks." Okay, <laughs> try again. If Benjamin Franklin were alive today, he wouldn't give a shit about our problems. He'd be like, "What's a poke bowl?" He wouldn't be like interested in any of our little qualms. I think Ben Franklin Franklin notoriously um, didn't own slaves, of all of them. Yeah, and I'm sure he did other things. I'm sure he's he was like a lot of lot of underage uh, sex workers, which is yeah, not yeah. Oh, he owned sex slaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, not sure. slaves. <laughs> he had other vices. Oh God. Um, let's move on to our final final segment, and then I'll kick you out of here, John Marco. Um, this was a very interesting week. Um, where uh, the Senate got something done finally they decided to come together and pass some very necessary legislation about dress codes that's right uh it was all in the wake of senator chuck schumer uh saying you know what we don't need to do dress codes anymore uh in part because the one of the newest senators john fetterman he just looks better in a big old hoodie and shorts also he's dealing with a ton of uh depression following a stroke that has impaired his ability to speak and pro and you know uh, process words um even though he's still like amazing and kind of crushing it and dunking on all the republicans as he does so they momentarily did away with the dress code and then a bunch of republicans got together and freaked out yes uh Lawmakers voted unanimously last week to codify a business casual dress code for the Senate floor just days after one of its leaders sought to do away with it altogether. 46 Republican senators sent a letter to Schumer demanding he reverse the change, writing the world watches us on that floor and we must protect the sanctity of that place at all costs. Did I mention many of us did not validate the results of the 2020 election on these floors and a QAnon shaman uh, sweat all over the dais. But anyway, I digress. Um, th then Joe Manchin, of course, and Utah Republican Mitt Romney introduced a resolution that would formally instate the enforceable dress code for the Senate floor. And of course, uh, John Marco, it always has to have a cute little name. Um, which yeah, is that's so lame. The shorts the show sh our respect to the Senate. And then they have the two letters in show count as the first two letters. <laughs> you have failed the acronym. That is so <laughs> lame. I every time I see that, I'm like, you didn't, you didn't do it then. That's, that's literally <laughs> like the you know, they, they wrote that. They're like, okay, let's see what else we can come up with. And then they had to go back right. to shorts. <laughs> what losers! Oh, losers! God. I can't stand this shit. 
Well, but look, they're getting, you know, let's applaud when they do something. And uh, uh, Fetterman uh, said, yeah, okay, fine. I'll wear a suit. And then he called on his colleagues to channel their energy into important issues like the impending government shutdown or corruption charges against Democratic Senator Bob Menendez. But what was he wearing? Um, yeah, and Bob Menendez, he's probably was like, I need a suit. I need all those pockets to put the gold bars in. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you know, these shorts will fall with exactly. the gold bar. They're not tight enough in the waist. There's no drawstring tight enough when you're hiding all your cash uh, that you got from the Egyptian government. Uh, very I feel, difficult. I feel conflicted about it. I uh, completely having nothing. I, I do understand that, but I think they all look like shit, number one. Number two, mm. the dress code that they came up with only has codes for men, which I think goes to show that they're they're not planning to have too many more ladies come through their doors. Yeah, and no, soon. and also no more women. They snuck that in. So I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Uh, but at the same time, like, I think it's good. Fetterman was like, fine, fuck it, whatever. Right, but I do, die on that. I do think it's insane. They all look ugly as shit. Their suits look like crap. Their ties look like crap. They should, they should all be something more unique. I I'd rather have like robes. Make mm. them wear some big, big, stupid oh, robes. Make it real culty. Yeah, but like they all have to do it because because I think like a little Kathy know, robe or something. I think there should be room that if if Fetterman, you know, decided putting on a dress made him happy that he could wear a dress. I don't like, like I don't Just like the of, of suits because it's so gendered in, inherently and, and that there's no code for women, I think, is kind of. Kirsten Cinema. There was a no sleeveless rule that Kirsten Cinema has been flaunting for a long time. There's also a no mini backpack and no purple wig rule, um, uh -huh. and a no tutus rule. But Kirsten, I'd rather Cinema. a no Kirsten Cinema rule. That would be nice. For yeah, me. that would be very nice. I, I, I don't, I don't. How do you really, how do you really feel about what it should be? Because Fetterman sometimes does look like shit. And and yeah yeah yeah, I get he's depressed, but he was he was he was wearing that before too. I don't know if it's fair to tie it to that. I think that I th here's here's what I think. I think business casual. What are we talking about? I think a jacket is nice. I'll, sure. I'll say that. And I think Fetterman, if we're if we're going full makeover here, I think we don't that we ditch the shorts and the hoodie, but we also ditch like the full suit. I think he looks a little weird in like a massive suit. It's just too much cloth, you know, but I yeah. think some nice jeans, a white shirt with a sweater and like a jacket, you know, Bernie's rocked that a, a few times talking like some like, uh, you know, dusty blue tweed with like a little, you know, I think Fetterman could really, but jeans are okay. Um, I'll let him wear some comfortable shoes. I, mean, I don't think we have to wear dress shoes. This, this is my like honest answer, but my joke answer is I think there should be um, like in Drag Race when and I've only seen a few seasons. I know I'm terrible, but I know there's a few challenges where they're like, you have to go to like a dump like full of like the behind a costume shop of a bunch of like different pieces of like, you know, uh, like just like different fabrics and different foam and different, you know, discarded things and bits and bobs. And you have to put together a look. That's what I think the senator yeah. should do at the beginning of the week. Maybe not every the day. should be in their whatever, you know, state they represent. They have to go to a dump at yeah. that place. Yes. yes. And really reflect. Yes. Reflect their, their they have to go to the goodwill. Yeah. And just put together a look. And it's got to be fly. Um, and then RuPaul can, you know, approve or disapprove. 
but they have to like sort of scrounge together. It shows their resourcefulness, working with what they have, um, not being big spenders. This is all important. Um, I also am just like, why not just do casual Fridays the way every other workplace sure. does? Sure. They, they're, they'd rather do insurrection Mondays. You know, <laughs> what day of the week was Jan 6 on? I think it was I, Wednesday. Was I'm, it I'm, Wednesday? I'm almost positive it was Wednesday. Um, insurrection Wednesdays. I love that. Taco Tuesdays, Insurrection Wednesdays. <laughs> uh, John Marco, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for where me. can people find you? You can find me everywhere at John Marco Cerezi. And my podcast is called The Downside with mm. John Marco Cerezi. Is it depressing? Like in a fun way. You oh, know, okay. we, we call our uh, bitching, uh, uh, this has got to stop. So, you know, we're all, we're all doing the same thing under a different name. You know what I mean? <laughs> have me on the show. Have I said that before? I'd love to have you. Well, when you're in New York, when you're in New York. We do oh, I got to be live? Ah, oh, shit. Okay, uh, I'll come okay. out there then. Let me know. All right, all right, all right, dude. Everybody go see John Marco where he's playing live. Uh, do you have a website people can check Yeah, out? yeah. It's, it's my name, JohnMarcoCerezi.com. I'm doing it. We're calling it the Leaning In Tour. Mm. I'll be in Chicago. I'll be in Philly. I'll be in all over the country. So uh, uh, Europe, too. So go to JohnMarcoCerezi.com or just find me on Instagram. I thought you said you're up, too. And I was like, oh, I'm up. I'm going up. But no, it's yeah, you're Europe. Yeah, for me. Get ready. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hell, yeah. All right, John Marco. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. And thank you all for sticking around during this wild, wild Tuesday. Um, a few super chats, and then we'll fuck off into the night. Sarah Layla says, be about it. Oh, and I'm dressed like a bee. I am wearing my uh... – look, I think bees are fly, you know? Like, literally, fly. Kill me. Uh, Camperman5000, member for six months. Thank you so much for being a member. Six-month girl here to at least... Here's to at least six months more. Keep keep on keeping on, Fran. Love the show. No notes. Hey, thanks. I love that. Chris Huggy on Twitch. Thanks so much. Is there anyone, anyone who wants to help me with a sub as soon as I figure out why it won't accept my cards anymore? Yeah. Anyone want to gift a sub? Robert, thank you for your super chat. Dress code in Congress should be fully nude. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that to us? The few cute ones will be good to see, and for the rest, it'll be make them make them get their business done. Nobody gonna filibuster with that going. That's true. If you filibuster, you must filibuster in the nude because if there's one thing um, that that could have been improved when um, Ted Cruz read green eggs and ham on the Senate floor, it would be him reading it naked. Like, at that point, I wouldn't have even wanted Obamacare. I would have been like, you know what? I'm, we're done here. That's fine. Except for their diapers, right? They can wear diapers because they have to filibuster for that long. Um, Gary Cooper, my wife and I paid off our student loan years ago, but we're in favor for giving all the current ones. College is free in most countries, and so should it be here. Isn't it funny the way most countries work and yet things don't work the way they work there here <coughs> can't do that voice it's just vegas on twitch i'm gonna just point out for jessica killed it with her makeup today did i oh thank you i was trying to do a million things at once um soul life make them wear a uniform like a mcdonald's polo yes and little name tags i'm peachy wardrobe changes made you an actor nay a thespian um i don't know what that's in reference to but i like it Charlie Martini says politicians should just wear clown costumes for the fucking circus. Wick TV uh, on voting, 
Voting isn't a Valentine's, a show of love. It's a chess move designed to get your, you closer to your goals. I indeed. And should we shake up the board sometime? Yeah, we should. We should absolutely do that. Paper Dragon, he will sit in Congress and collect a check with less stress. Wow, what a punishment. This is Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, this is like um, putting an officer, uh, you know, on desk duty when he kills somebody. Leo Don, so corporations are people, but individual people to deliver your food aren't people. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's funny how, like, I mean, truly, if there were the moneyed backing of actual people, the way there is backing for the right and their like ridiculous capers that are running around as actual like you know lawsuits we would do things like that right we'd say look i'm an uber driver i'm basically i am a small business using my car as a place of business um i'm gonna sue you know but we don't have leonard leo we don't have billionaires backing working people who could actually make that very very um convincing case before any kind of courts, also we don't own the courts, unlike billionaires. So there's also that. Um, Suds, more time will be wasted elected a different speaker. I mean, it's just gonna like, again, like I said, the one thing you can say is at least federal workers will get paid. At least uh, the fat bear contest will continue on, which I did dive into heavily on last week's uh, bitch, uh, bonus bish that everyone should get at. We looked at and talked about the fat bears in Alaska. Um, let's see any, uh, but, but, but soul life, he could also postpone repayment until everything is settled. Lobbyists must be involved. It could be a fast sh uh, shit. We got COVID checks pretty fast because corporations were getting free money. Yeah, no, exactly. Just do it, do it quickly. Don't give the opposition any time to mount any kind of, um, you know, defense to that. But alas, here we are. What a fun show. What a good time. What a time to play. The fart song right now and thank all of the patrons at 10 bucks or more which gets you a shout out as well as twitch subs and on the rest uh over here on twitch catfix solo for resubscribing says it's disabled employee awareness month and the anniversary of rehabilitation act but disability discrimination in the workplace is still commonplace and not just penalized thank you for reminding us about that we should definitely have someone on to discuss no disrespect with the fart fluffy robot thank you so much for resubscribing tier one for two months lord god is my witness okay resubscribe just our resubscribe brooklyn or birkin 505 pa subscribed again thank you so so much let's go over and thank todd j for becoming a patron for getting this shout out 10 bucks or more appreciate you you can also tip the show, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. I want to thank Ahmad on Twitch, uh, ZX227. Thank you, my friend, for helping out. If anyone else wants to be a mod on Twitch, holler at your girl. Uh, thanks to Paige Omek, our producer, to Maximilian Inhoff and Andy Vasoyan helping out. Remember, we stream Tuesdays and Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Follow the show, Twitter, Bituation Pod, TikTok, and Instagram, Bituation Room. Uh, and remember to fight the power, to fuck the patriarchy, and poor little Kevin. Don't just bitch about it, but be about it. Bye-bye.